Hi, this is Brian Choi with the Food Institute, and welcome to the Food Institute podcast. This week, we are speaking with J.P. Comte, president of Barilla Americas. This is the first episode of a leadership series where we speak to some of the leading executives in the food and beverage industry. But first, whether you are a first-time listener or regular listener, we ask that you share this episode on your social media platforms. It helps us expand our reach, and we really appreciate it when you do so. With that said, I welcome J.P. to the show. How are you today? Hey, Brian. Nice to, nice to meet you. Yes, yes. For your time and, and for your contribution to the food industry and, um, and definitely for being a part of this podcast. So to kick things off, JP, um, please share a little bit about your background and how you arrived at your current role at Barilla. Sure. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm not American. I'm not Italian. I'm, I'm French. Nobody is, uh, is perfect. And, um, and, and basically, uh, so I've got my, uh, my MBA uh, in France. It was in, uh, in 1991. Uh, then I, uh, I joined PNG in, uh, one year later, in 1992, Procter & Gamble. Uh, and so I started in France. Then I moved to Italy. Then I moved to, uh, to Switzerland in uh, sales, marketing, trade marketing, shopper marketing. And uh, my last job in PNG was to be the, the general manager for France and Belgium of uh, our fine uh, fra- fragrance uh, business. Um, I left uh, PNG in, uh, in 2010 uh, to join Barilla. Uh, I was in charge of our business in, uh, in Western Europe uh, from 2010 to, uh, to mid 2013. Then uh, at summer 2013, I've been offered this uh, opportunity uh, to cross the ocean and, uh, and, and take the responsibility of the region Americas, which is made of uh, North and South America, uh, for, for Barilla. So 10 years of company and, uh, and, and fantastic journey so far. Right. It seems that in your, in your work experience, you've had many opportunities to work in different countries and also in different roles. Was that by design, JP? Yes, it's uh, it's something uh, that, you know. PNG uh, uh, is uh, is a big company operating on many uh, categories in uh, in many markets, and so it was uh, it was for me the perfect company to uh, uh, have access to these uh, opportunities to uh, uh, to learn. Uh, and, and I did work on, on laundry detergents, on baby diapers, on uh, on fight fragrances, on uh, on hair care, beauty care uh, products uh, in in many European markets, huh, because this is where I was based when, when I was in PNG. Even if I had to come to, to Cincinnati uh, quite uh, quite often, uh, but uh, yes, by uh, I, I have chosen since the beginning to uh, to to leverage these opportunities uh, to embrace uh, a more global view on uh, on on how consumer and shoppers uh, uh, consume today. Great. So, you know, my next question is, you know, looking at the company itself, you know, the company right now, Barilla has net sales of, of over 3.6 billion euros, and it has operations all over the world, from Italy to Europe to America, um, Asia, Africa, Australia. You know, for a company that started in the 1800s, and given the size um, that, it, that it is today, what are the main goals of the company going forward? And how does your responsibility over the Americas contribute to those goals? Sure. Uh, so yes, as you, as you rightly said it, it's a, it's a company which was born in, uh, in 1877, so almost uh, 150 years ago, by a gentleman called Pietro Barilla. 
And, uh, and today, uh, the, the, the company is still uh, a family-owned company. So we are now the, at the fourth generation. So Guido, Luca, and, and Paolo Barilla are in charge of this company. And their uh, obsession, if I may say so, uh, which, which is the mission of, uh, of the company, is to bring to the world joyful, wholesome, and honest food, inspired by the Italian lifestyle and the Mediterranean diet. Uh, so this is basically uh, what, what we stand for, uh, leveraging our uh, Italian roots. Uh, we want to bring to the world a food which is always more uh, healthy, always more nutritious, always more uh, joyful. And so this is, uh, this is part of the, of the, of the journey that, uh, that we have today. Uh, when you look at the, uh, at the, at the world, huh, so we, we still have a business which is still very uh, concentrated in, uh, in, uh, in Europe, as uh, Europe is, uh, is um, almost 70% of our $4 billion of, um, of revenues. Uh, the region Americas is the, the, the second biggest uh, market. Uh, so the, the combination of North and South America is, is about 20% of, uh, of our global revenues. Um, regarding uh, Asia, Africa, and, uh, and Australia, we, we started uh, seriously our business there about 10 to, to 15 years ago. Uh, we grow fast, but, but it's still only 10% of, uh, of our business. Um, you probably know the company for the, the, the pasta and, and sauce brand, huh, which, is, uh, which has the name of the, of the family. But right. uh, the reality is that uh, half of our global uh, business is made of, uh, of bakery products. Uh, what I mean by bakery is uh, crackers, cookies, uh, bread sticks, uh, bread. Uh, so these are brands uh, that we have uh, mainly in, uh, in Europe, uh, so in Italy, in, uh, in France, in, uh, in Germany, in Sweden. You know some of these brands uh, probably in the US, which is called Waza, W-A-S-A, uh, which is a, a right. brand, uh, born in, uh, in Sweden. So we, we have some business in, uh, in the US. Uh, the brand is growing very fast, but again, uh, here in the Americas, we, we are almost known for our uh, dry pasta business. Right. Is it is it fair to say, JP, that the Americas and, and in Asia and Africa and Australia, those regions are the fastest growing um, in terms of net growth, or is it pretty even across the board? No, it's uh, you're, you're right. Huh? It's uh, these are the uh, uh, the regions growing the the fastest, uh, when uh, especially when you look at Latin America. So we have a, 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 gro a business growing very fast in in Brazil. Uh, it's the case also in Russia, where we have a, a fast growing business. It's the case in uh, in Japan, in in China, uh, of course. Uh, so yes, these are the regions growing the at at a faster pace. Great. My next my next question, JP, is related to innovation. Um, innovation is constantly spoken about in boardrooms in many food companies. How do you think about innovation as a leader of a multi-billion dollar company like Barilla? And what are some of the key innovation initiatives for the company going forward? It's, it's, it's a very good question huh? because when, you, uh, uh, when, I, when I tell people that I work on you know, business, pasta and, uh, and sauce, so they, they look at me, but how can you innovate on, uh, on categories huh, which, which seem to be uh, pretty... Uh, uh, stable in terms of uh, of product, and I will take uh, if you if you allow me, I'm I'm going to take uh, probably uh, four or five examples. And uh, sure. uh, so here in uh, in uh, in the US, uh, specifically, 
uh, we have uh, three opportunities to uh, continue to develop uh, pasta consumption. Uh, the first opportunity, um, people love pasta, but uh, for some of us, uh, because of our cooking skills, because of our lack of time, uh, we don't want to take the time or we, we don't know how to really cook uh, dry pasta, okay? because it, it can be a long process to take the water to boil and, and cook the pasta and then after the sauce and, and clean up everything. And so there was, a, and there is still a, a, a huge opportunity in the, in the convenience uh, space. Okay, so I love pasta, but, but I, I want it fast and, uh, and easy. And, uh, and so that's why uh, three, uh, a little bit more than three years ago, we, we came to the American market with a, a, a product which is called Ready Pasta, uh, which is basically a pre-cooked and, and pre-salted pasta uh, in a pouch that you just need to, uh, to put in the microwave and, and cook for, uh, for 60 seconds. Okay, so you, you have a delicious al dente uh, pasta in, uh, in a minute. Uh, needless to say that uh, in line with our uh, uh, way of doing business, uh, which is uh, always very uh, close to, to, to our North Pole, which is the, uh, good for you, good for the planet, uh, in this product, you just have uh, durum wheat, extra virgin olive oil, and, and sea salt. So no preservatives, no GMO as, as any product uh, made um, in, in Barilla. And, and so that's a product uh, which is meeting a significant traction. Uh, especially with uh, with college kids, uh, but but also parents uh, who don't have the time uh, to 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 cook some uh, some uh, some snacks for their kids. So this is one one innovation ad addressing the specific need of uh, of convenience. Uh, another innovation on uh, on um, on dry pasta was a couple of years ago when we came to the market uh, with a pasta which is made of of legume uh, flour. So it could, could be a chickpea, could be a red lentil. And this uh, specific uh, pasta answers the need of some consumers from, for um, sources of, of lean proteins. Okay, you, you probably heard about this uh, trend of, of plant-based uh, proteins. And so this pasta, which is made of, uh, of, of legume uh, flour, uh, is, um, is tapping into this, uh, this opportunity. By the way, it's a, it's a pasta which is gluten-free, uh, as, uh, as neither uh, lentils nor chickpea are made with gluten. Mm -hmm. And one of the key points of difference that we, that we have in uh, on this pasta in, in Barilla is that our pasta is made of only one ingredient. So we, we don't have any fillers, we don't have any gums. Uh, so this is a pasta which is extremely simple uh, to, uh, to understand from uh, an ingredient point of view. Uh, so I, I can I can talk about uh, talking about sauce. Uh, we we just launched uh, it was a year ago uh, a premium uh, line of product which is called Velo Gusto, uh, which uh, in Italian means uh, true taste, uh, which is a sauce that we import from Italy, uh, extremely uh, clean label, uh, made with uh, Italian ingredients. Uh, so you you find it now more and more in uh, in in uh, grocery stores in uh, in the US, uh, very transparent label. Um, so, which is another way to innovate and, and there to go in a space of products which are always uh, more um, authentic, uh, always more transparent, and, and always more um, healthy. Okay, uh, so these are some of the innovations that we that we make on the products. We also look at uh, uh, experiences beyond uh, 
the, the product. And I will take uh, uh, just one example. Uh, we, we have two restaurants in the US which, which are called Casa Barilla. One is based in, uh, in New York on Manhattan. The other one is in, uh, in Orange County. And, and through these restaurants, uh, we, we, we connect very closely uh, with the American consumers of these uh, markets. And so we, uh, we continue to deliver this uh, uh, true Italian al dente uh, pasta experience uh, through this, uh, this solution. So these are some of the innovations that I can mention. Yeah, that's wonderful. And JP, you know, when you talk about the, the convenience and the legume flour and the sauces, you know, from, from inception, from concept to actually a go-to-market, right? How, how long is that process? You know, can you share a little bit about, you know, how, um, you know, what the process is like and how long it takes for a product to finally make its way to, to shelves? Yes, it, um, it, it depends a little bit uh, about the, the, the project. So some, some of them have a global scale and, and a global scope. And, uh, and the legume pasta is, is definitely one of them. Uh, so we, we did launch these products, not only in, uh, in, uh, in the region Americas, but we, we did launch it also in, uh, in Europe, as well as in some uh, markets in, uh, in Asia. And, and if I take this product, it took uh, more than a couple of years because we wanted to come uh, with a recipe which was made of only one ingredient. And, uh, and I, you probably don't know it, but the, uh, what, what makes uh, the, uh, the, the, the flour made of durum wheat, huh? so semolina, uh, stick together is the, is, is the gluten. And, and, and to come with the same result with the flour chickpea or, or, or lentil, uh, it's, it's much more complex. So that's why the R&D uh, challenges was probably bigger on this kind of product and it, and it took more than a couple of years. On, uh, on ready pasta, we, uh, we came to the market in about uh, 16 to 18 months between the ideation, so the, the concept, uh, to, the, uh, to the execution. So usually it could be anywhere between 12 and, uh, and, 18, and 18 months. Wow. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. Now, shifting gears a little bit, um, you know, 2020, you know, this is a year uh, that will likely be remembered as one of the most devastating economically and volatile years in recent history, you know, with the economic impact of coronavirus and the cultural impact of the social justice movement. Specifically regarding COVID-19, what are some of the lessons learned from going through this experience? And how will Barilla be better prepared if another pandemic occurs, let's say, in three years? So there are um, there are many uh, many lessons. Um, one of them uh, is with regards to the the, the consumers uh, we serve. Um, one of them is is related to the uh, uh, the, the the shifts uh, across uh, channels, uh, and so the way uh, people shop. Uh, we had also some learnings, obviously, in in our way of doing business, also with. Uh, with our employees, uh, so let, let's start first with the with the consumer. What we uh, what we saw in the last uh, I would say three to, to four months, uh, Brian, is that for by, by necessity, uh, families and, and people were were back home and and had to cook uh, from home, and and so that's uh, that's why, and 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 we were uh, fortunate enough and, and thankful to 
play on, uh, on categories of products uh, which are considered as, as essentials uh, for, uh, for the, uh, the American consumers. And, uh, and so we, we, we've never seen as, as many uh, uh, pictures on Instagram, on, on Pinterest of, uh, of pasta meals, because beyond the, the fact that pasta is, is an affordable and, and healthy and, and safe and, and nutritious meal, uh, it's also the perfect canvas to express uh, your creativity as a human being. As, as we didn't have access anymore to, uh, to travels and, uh, and uh, entertainment and, and stadiums and, uh, and theaters, uh, one of the only ways to express yourself uh, was to get back to the kitchen and, and, and to cook. We saw, uh, and, and our research uh, starts to uh, unveil, uh, also, these uh, these trends. We saw that this uh, this way of being back to the kitchen uh, together uh, probably strengthened the, the links, the emotional links between the different members of the family. If you if you live at more than one uh, in your households, which which is also uh, an emotional benefit, uh, which goes beyond again the, the functional benefit of uh, of uh, preparing and, uh, and cooking food. So uh, we, we see this trend on, uh, on the consumer. The, the channels, it's not a, it's not a surprise huh, to, to say that the, while the retail uh, business, huh, grocery stores and mass and, and, and dollar stores and, and clubs uh, had uh, um, quite a positive um, trend uh, over this, uh, this pandemic, um, unfortunately, our business in, in food service uh, suffered a lot as, uh, as restaurants and, uh, and bars uh, had to shut down their uh, uh, their doors uh, as of uh, as of mid March, so we we saw some some shifts uh, there, and when we we come to the retail uh, space, uh, we we definitely saw as as we we see it everywhere a rise of, of our e-commerce uh, business. Uh, so the the, the different uh, platforms where where we can find your your products, uh, where um, we're having some uh, some clear tailwinds. So this is on the on the channels in terms of employees. Um, we had in uh, in Barilla, especially in the US, a, a, a fairly flexible uh, work arrangements. Uh, we had obviously uh, to be fully flexible at this uh, at this stage, and uh, and while we, we we knew how to deal with this way of uh, of working, we we usually were not uh, completely uh, prepared as uh, as many companies. And so uh, to answer your second uh, your second question. Um, if we had to go through the same kind of, uh, of storm uh, in the coming years, um, we learned a lot also from, uh, from, from the way of, of working remote and, and access uh, smoothly to, uh, uh, to our systems and the ones of our customers um, uh, quite efficiently. I want to add, uh, if, uh, if I can, uh, we, we were uh, thankful to uh, be part of a company uh, where home is Italy. And so as of the end of, uh, of February, uh, we knew from what was happening in Italy that uh, COVID-19 was, was not to take uh, lightly. And, uh, and so uh, as an Italian-based company, we were probably more uh, prepared than, uh, than many other uh, companies. And so we, uh, we, we anticipated, by the way, most of the, uh, the CDC guidelines uh, in terms of, uh, of masks and, uh, and temperature scanners in the plants and, uh, and, uh, and social distancing um, practices. 
so that, that's why I'm, I'm glad to report that uh, we, we have two plants in the US. Uh, one is, is based in, uh, in Ames, Iowa, and, uh, and the other one is, uh, is close to Rochester um, in New York. Uh, and I'm glad to report that we had only one case uh, so far, uh, while we have, uh, we have 410 employees. Uh, in these, uh, in the combination of these two plants. Um, so yes, the, these are the, no, thank the big. You. Right. No, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I'd like to touch upon one one of the comments you just made, uh, and you know, you said that during the pandemic, the relational aspect within the home, especially for uh, for families. You know, with with you know with more than one that that bond was something that you noticed now going looking out over the next six months to to maybe even even a year do you see that bond you know continuing where you do you feel that based on what you've seen from from the sales perspective in the americas do you think even if the food service is open do you think that that the likelihood of families wanting to cook from home more frequently will that continue and if so you know how how much so compared to what you see uh today it is uh, it is very difficult to to predict uh, as you can imagine and and i think that uh, the uh, the, the, the consumer segmentation will probably be even more sophisticated uh, now and, and in, the, in the future than it was uh, before COVID. I, I think that people will uh, react completely uh, differently uh, when uh, the, the, the world will, will completely reopen, when it, it reopens. And I think that we will see probably some different phases uh, before the vaccine, after the vaccine, or uh, before a potential second wave, after a potential second wave, uh, we will see very different behaviors also by markets, depending on uh, on cultures, uh, depending on uh, on the way we went through uh, this pandemic. Uh, so some uh, some people will uh, remind this uh, uh, this period as uh, as something definitely weird. But not as traumatic as uh, as others uh, might think about it, because they, they've lost some loved ones, or or they they, they had some uh, some some struggles from a, a health point of view or a financial point of view. So I think it's very difficult, Brian, to to have a kind of one size fits all. Um, hopefully, uh, people will uh, will will get back to uh, to restaurants again, because there there is uh, obviously an immense value to. Uh, uh, to connect and to socialize also uh, out of of your of your um, household um, how much it's going to be and how fast it's going to be is very difficult to to predict um, and so that's why we uh, we invest a lot and 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 back to your previous question on uh, on uh, on how we can be prepared uh, we invest a lot in in consumer understanding uh, to understand again how we will need to remap uh, the, the consumer segmentation and, and how we can answer uh, sometimes, by the way, contradictory needs. Uh, some of them will, will go more premium, some of them will go more good value for money and, and affordable. So how we can uh, have an answer uh, to, uh, to, to many of these different uh, and sometimes contradictory needs. Got it. 
And with regarding the the social justice movement, we've we've seen a huge influx of of companies and executives um, be very much involved, you know, in in this movement. How has the Barilla team responded to this event? So before starting to communicate on on anything, uh, the first thing is that we uh, we, we need to uh, to work, okay, roll up the sleeve and and work, and so we. Uh, We've built in uh, an, an action plan um, in the last couple of weeks, um, which is owned by uh, by HR, obviously, but uh, um, with the support and the inspiration of our ERG in charge of uh, African American and, and Hispanic uh, issues, and and so they came with an action plan on, on four pillars. Okay, one of them is about education, so how we. We can educate ourselves, and 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 to the point I was making before, uh, trigger uh, these uh, these conversations internally uh, to to learn, learn and uh, and listen. The second part of the plan is to uh, uh, to amplify, accelerate uh, our support to some um, NGOs we we were historically uh, working on in the space of uh, good and healthy food access. I can mention here in Chicago, Urban Growers uh, Collective. Uh, I can mention in, in New York City area, the Harlem Grown. Uh, so these are NGOs that we support for, for, for years now. And, and I think that we can do more, uh, not only in terms of uh, access uh, to fresh and, and healthy food, but also in terms of career opportunities uh, in Barilla. The second point was really about uh, communities. The third one, uh, was to put KPIs. Okay, as you can imagine, so we we first checked that our house was in order in terms of of pay equality. So to make sure that um, as we we don't have any uh, gap between men and women, uh, we didn't want to see any gap uh, between white and and non-white, and and so uh, we were clear on that. Uh, but we can definitely increase our representation of black people, especially. In the senior leadership levels of the of the company, so we uh, we put in we are putting in place some uh, some KPIs because you you get what you what you measure and uh, and and we will be very intentional to uh, promote and and advance on this uh, on this area and and so the last uh, leg the last pillar of the of the plan uh, will be and and will only be to to communicate but when we feel that we are legitimate enough uh, to participate to this uh, conversation externally. I appreciate that, Andy, because you know to have a thoughtful and well laid out plan like you just described, you know, I think that's the not only the smart strategy, um, but it also prevents some um, possible mistakes if if you know you communicate a little bit too early, it could have de detrimental effects on on the company um, externally, but also internally. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very important point that you just uh, you just shared, JP, and I, and I appreciate that. Going on to my next question, JP, you know, after going through one of the longest bull markets in history, there are many food and beverage companies that are struggling. You know, not just financially, but but culturally and there's a lot of volatility and uncertainty in the, for the future. As someone who has been through a number of business cycles and crises, 
in your opinion, what are the top three things that food and beverage executives need to be thinking about now and leading into the second half of 2020? I think uh, I think Brian that uh, as uh, as a food industry, um, our collective responsibility, um, I would say, learning uh, from uh, from what happened in in the past four months, uh, is to contribute to I don't know if if I I will use the the word the word repair or, or improve uh, the food system. Okay, uh, I think that this pandemic has uh, has evidenced the fact that one of the biggest uh, inequalities today in, in the U.S. but all over the world uh, is access to uh, to healthy food. Okay, uh, we 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 uh, we had many uh, other inequalities, unfortunately, but this one we we as a food industry, uh, I think that we we feel legitimate, if if not forced uh, to uh, continue to work hard, uh, each and every one of us, uh, to provide uh, to, um, to the American population, no, no matter your uh, social, economical class, no matter your color of skins, no matter your uh, background, uh, a food which is always healthier, uh, always more, more nutritious, uh, because food is, is definitely medicine. We, we know it now. Uh, and so uh, I, I feel very good working for uh, for a company uh, which which puts it at the at the center. It's it's really our compass, our our north pole. So how we can make the food that we uh, uh, that we um, bring to the American table, as Pietro Barilla would have said, by the way, uh, give food uh, to the people that you would give your the, the food that you would give your own children. Uh, so how how we can do it? Uh, launching food, which is always more more nutritious, always more affordable, uh, so to to enable this uh, this mission to uh, to come to life. Um, and so it go, we were talking about uh, innovation before. Uh, innovation can be definitely in terms of uh, of product, and, and so I, I mentioned, for instance, on this plant-based protein um, pasta. It can be also in terms of, of packaging, so make sure that the packaging we we put on the market are always uh, more respectful of the uh, of the environment while while continue to, to be safe. Uh, so these are some of the uh, the innovations we we can work on um, to to try to uh, yes improve uh, the the food system, which which have shown recently some uh, some hiccups. Got it. My second last question, JP, is related to leadership. Do you think leadership is lacking in today's companies? And if so, in what ways? What type of leadership traits are required right now in the current environment, in your opinion? I, I don't know if, if it lacks of that. I've read lots of, of things of the, 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 the blues of some CEOs, uh, uh, because what we what we had to to go through was was definitely unprecedented, and uh, and even if uh, we have tons of uh, crisis management trainings and all of that, uh, the the scenario was was definitely uh, very uh, extreme. So I I don't know uh, if, uh, if if collectively or individually uh, there, there was a lack of leadership. But what what I think what will make um, an efficient leader uh, an effective leader to tomorrow. 
um, is uh, are a couple of things. So the the first one is your ability to uh, promote uh, diversity and make the workplace as as inclusive as possible. So the more different uh, and the, the the voices can be in your company the, the better for your business because if uh, if you if you don't have this diversity of thoughts this diversity of backgrounds uh, this uh, uh, you you will never be able to serve these increasingly complex uh, consumer needs okay so uh, I, I think that a good leader tomorrow will be the one really walking the talk and and and, and promoting this diversity in terms of uh, of gender, in terms of uh, of uh, races, in terms of uh, sexual orientations, uh, in terms of passports, huh? some of them can come from Asia, some of them can come from from Europe. It will enable you to understand the complexity of uh, of this world. Uh, the second one, and especially in a world where uh, work at home huh, will uh, will will be uh, not the norm, because I think that we need to have the right balance between building. Uh, uh, bonding and company culture, so in, in the office and and working from home uh, when you you need this uh, this flexibility, but uh, it will require even more empowerment and trust uh, in uh, in the people you work with, and uh, and I think that uh, promoting a culture where where people are uh, empowered to to make uh, decisions and and trusted and and rewarded and and and, and made accountable for for these decisions. Uh, is, is probably a, a winning uh, organization tomorrow. So these are the two, the two aspects of uh, of leadership that I would see uh, emerge and, and winning in the future. I would completely agree with that, JP. And for my final question, um, if there are any words of wisdom or last thoughts that you'd like to share with the Food Institute's audience, what would they be? Uh, I think that the um, it's it's obviously a very difficult today uh, to uh, imagine the uh, the uh, the impact of uh, of what we had to go through in the, in the past four months, huh, both in terms of COVID nineteen, but but also the uh, uh, this uh, racial uh, justice movement uh, which which went there. So I think that we need more time to uh, digest and and when this this dust comes down. But uh, uh, while we, we need to acknowledge that what happened is, is very sad uh, because people lost their lives, uh, people lost their jobs. Uh, I, I hope that we will be, uh, us and as food industry, uh, wise enough uh, to uh, project, uh, to design and to execute uh, plans, uh, again, which will make this, uh, this planet uh, a better place uh, to live, uh, not only for few people, but for uh, uh, for every one of us, uh, so this is uh, uh, this is my uh, my hope, and and I hope that all these uh, the, the sad things which which happened in uh, in the recent past will be positively turned into into something positive for the the generations to come. Thank you so much, JP, for sharing those thoughts. Um, so this wraps it up for us at the Food Institute podcast this week. JP, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and Barilla? So you can uh, you can definitely uh, go on uh, on our website. So we have a, a Barilla website in the US, which which is more about uh, our brands and, and the recipes and all of that. If you want to learn more about the, the company globally, 
uh, we have a website huh, which is barilagroup.com uh, which is in english and so you uh, uh, you will see there uh, the, the the usual reports and uh, and, uh, and and vision and mission statements that uh, that i was referring to if you want to go a little bit further um, Guido Barilla, so our chairman, um, founded uh, a foundation uh, about 10 years ago, which is called the Barilla Center for Food and Nutrition, uh, BCFN. And so if you go on the BCFN uh, website, you, you will find uh, the, uh, the contributions of this. Uh, it was born as a think tank. Now it's, it's a foundation, which, which is about all the, the challenges and, and opportunities that, that food uh, is uh, is bringing now and uh, and for the future and and which is for for the company for for Barilla this time a source of inspiration of inspiration in the way we uh, we we design our innovations we reformulate some of our products uh, to put always less uh, less obviously less fat less salt less, less sugar and uh, and make them as as we said uh, good for you and uh, and good for the planet so these are the three resources I would I would look at if you want to. Uh, or reach out directly to me uh, through LinkedIn if you if you want. Great. We'll definitely share the relevant links in the description of this episode. So once again, I'd like to thank JP for his time today. Remember thank you very much. Thank yep, you. And remember, yep. Remember, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share. If you'd like to learn more about the Food Institute, please take a look at the links in the description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you. So until next time, this is Brian Choi signing off.